Okay. Let's continue. وَلَا تَجْعَلُ اللَّهَ And do not make Allah from Jim'ain Lam عُرْضَةً لِأَيْمَانِكُمْ An excuse for your oaths. Urda is from the root letters Ain Radat and Urda is a shield. Anything that a person uses to protect himself so that if he is attacked, he doesn't get harmed, but rather what gets harmed? The shield. Right? So it's a means of protection for him. So don't make Allah as an Urda, as a shield, something to protect yourself. Li aymanikum for your oaths. Ayman is a plural of Yameen. And Yameen, from the root letters Yameen, Noon is used for an oath. For something that a person swears to do, like he says, I swear by Allah, I will do this. Or he says, I swear by Allah, I will not do it. What this means is, that do not swear by Allah, do not swear oaths by Allah, okay? And make that as an excuse. That look, I swore by Allah, now I have to do this. Or I swore by Allah, and now I cannot do that. Don't use the name of Allah to shield yourself from what? أَن تَبَرُّوا وَتَتَّقُوا وَتُصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ النَّاسِ أَن تَبَرُّوا From the root letters بَارَارَ Bir, righteousness تَتَّقُوا From taqwa أَن تُصْلِحُوا إِصْلَاح صَادْ لَمْحَ To reform, to correct بَيْنَ النَّاسِ Reconcile between people To do reconciliation between people In other words Don't use the name of Allah To stop yourself from doing good things. Don't say, I swear by Allah, I will not do such and such bit, such and such righteous deeds. I swear by Allah, I will not do any reconciliation between these two individuals, between these two friends. No. The name of Allah should be used in what? In doing good things. Not in staying away from good things. Like a person says, I swear I will never fast again. And then later on when it comes time to fasting, they say, oh but I swear I'm not going to fast again, so I can't. Or that a person says, I swear I'm never going to call my my brother again. I'm never going to talk to him again. This is what? Something that is not right. And a person later says, but I swore by Allah, I'm not going to talk to my brother again because he really bothers me. So since I swore by Allah, I'm not going to do it. No. Allah says, don't use his name to stop yourself from doing good things. Allah's name should be used to stop yourself from what? From bad things. And Allah's name should be used for doing good things. So, وَلَا تَجْعَلُوا اللَّهَ عُرْضَةً لِأَيْمَانِكُمْ أَن تَبَرُّوا وَتَتَّقُوا وَتُصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ النَّاسِ No. Use the name of Allah to do good things instead. وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ And Allah is hearing and He is knowing. He hears what you say and He knows about what you say. Now, the relationship of the husband and the wife. Yes, it's a very beautiful relationship. Many people dream about it. Many people wish they could have that relationship. As beautiful as it is, it comes with its own challenges. And sometimes, people make big mistakes. And they say, I swear, I'm never listening to my husband again. I swear, I'm never cooking this for my husband again. I'm never going to talk to his mother again. I'm never going to do such and such again. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Don't use the name of Allah to shield yourself from doing good things. No, don't do that. Yes, you get hurt. Yes, your feelings are hurt. You are upset. You may become angry. But, but, don't get so emotional. 
and stop yourselves in the future from doing good things. Never do that. Because as a wife or as a husband, there are some expectations. There are some duties. There are some rights. There are some things that we have to do. And the name of Allah should not be used to to fulfill your obligation. Because sometimes, like for example, a husband may say, I swear, I'm never going to have relations with my wife because every time I have relations with her, I forget about Allah. I forget about my salah. People can think like that. They can say things like that. Some people say, I swear I'm never going to get married. Because I see people who get married, they become very lazy when it comes to their prayers. They become very you know, slow. They're not active anymore in the Muslim community. But what does Allah say? Don't use His name to stop yourself from doing good things. Life is difficult. It has challenges. There are difficulties. But that's part of life. Don't stay away from good things. In a hadith we learn that whoever makes a vow and then finds what is better than his vow, then he should pay the kafala and perform the better deed. So let's say a person said in the past that I swear I'm never going to, let's say, read Qur'an in front of my husband. Because every time I read Qur'an in front of my husband, he you know, starts correcting my tajweed mistakes. And I don't like that. And then later on you realize that your husband, yes, he recites better Qur'an than you, so if he corrects you, that's even better for you. Then you're like, no, but I swore an oath. So what do we learn from the hadith? Break your oath, give the kafara, and then continue doing that good deed. لَا يُؤَاخِذُكُمُ اللَّهُ Allah will not hold you accountable. يُؤَاخِذُ From the root letters Hamza Khadal To seize and mu'akhada is to hold accountable. So Allah will not hold you accountable. Billahwi with the vain, with the useless, fi aymanikum in your oaths. Meaning, the unintentional oaths that you swear, you won't be held responsible for them. Allah is from the root letters lam ghayn wow, and lahu is a shay'u saqit, something that is fallen, meaning something that is disregarded, something that is not given any importance to. Why? Because it doesn't carry any value. Okay? It doesn't carry any value. It is not counted, it is not listed. And this is why the word law is used in many ways. First of all, it's used for useless words or useless actions that do not bring any benefit to a person in this life or in the hereafter. So for example, a person is sitting in front of the television wishing that there was something useful coming on, but there is nothing useful, so they're flip one channel, and they flip again, and they flip again, and they flip again, and they flip again. They watch nothing, basically. And the whole hour goes by. This is what? What is this? A useless activity. Did it bring you satisfaction? No. Did it bring you any relaxation? No. Did it bring you any good deeds? Not at all. Then what did it bring you? Nothing but frustration. There is nothing good on this TV. Right? What's wrong with people? So it brings you nothing but frustration. So that hour, that activity, what is it? Allahu. Likewise, if a person is sitting with their friends in the cafeteria, let's say, and they're talking. What are they talking about? What clothes are you wearing today? What clothes will you wear to that party? And what was she wearing? And what's her name? And where is she from? And is she married? And is she going to have a baby? What is she going to name her baby? Uh, where are they going? Where are they from? 
talking about other people that is not going to bring you any benefit in this world, nor is it going to bring you any benefit in the hereafter. One more very interesting derivative from the root lam rain wow is the word laga, and it's used for the chirping of the birds, the tweeting of the birds. Let me say that. Okay? The chirping of the birds. Tweet, tweet, tweet. This is what? Lagu. I don't think I need to explain that any further. It's self-explanatory. When people tweet, I love this this uh, dessert. Guess where I'm sitting. I just met so and so. I just put a picture. And what is that picture? Some random picture. Okay, it's not of a beautiful sunrise. It's not of a beautiful sunset. No, it's not anything of benefit. Just random things that people write. LOL, just felt like saying that. How's everybody? I'm good. Just felt like saying that. So what is this? Lahu. Useless utterance. It's a waste of time. It does not bring any benefit to a person. And you know what? We spend hours doing that. Either doing this, either making that noise, or listening to that noise, either tweeting or reading the tweets of other people. You know, sometimes I'm amazed, I'm shocked at what kind of useless things people write on their Twitter, on their Facebook. Some people, mashallah, what they write is very good. It's very beneficial. Right? You can learn many gems, many beautiful things, many good things, many great lessons you can learn. You know, in short words even. But other people, what they write is garbage. Their lives are full of garbage and they fill others' lives full of garbage as well. So this is what love is. And the word love is also used for something that a person says unintentionally. Okay? Unintentionally. Unintentional statement. Over here, what does love mean? Unintentional statement. So for instance, sometimes when people are talking, every other word that they use in their sentence is like. Right? Or so, or any other expression, they use constantly. So when you're listening to them, you are filtering through all the likes and buts and so's and so on and so forth. Right? You don't give any importance to those words. Why? Because you know that it was thoughtless. It doesn't carry any value. It doesn't need to be attached any importance to. So, لَا يُؤَاخِذُكُمُ اللَّهُ بِاللَّغْوِ فِي أَيْمَانِكُمْ Allah will not hold you accountable with regards to what is unintentional of your ayman. Ayman again, plural of yameen. In other words, if a person is talking, and it's their habit, wallahi, this and this, wallahi I went there, wallahi I just ate that, wallahi such and such is happening, la wallahi, bala wallahi. If a person keeps saying that, and many people do, then... Is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to hold people accountable for those oaths? Will that be considered an oath? No, it will not be considered an oath. Because a person doesn't really mean it. It's just a habit. So spontaneously, unintentionally, it just comes out of the mouth. I'll tell you a very funny story. Once I saw these, uh, our neighbor's children and a group of friends, they were playing out in the street and these are Muslim kids. Okay? We were playing in the street and there was another child who came who was not a Muslim and he had a dog with him. Okay, It was a couple of boys playing together. And there was another boy who was uh, Hindu. Okay, He was not a Muslim. 
So anyway, the boy who brought the dog, the one of the Muslim kids, he was afraid of the dog. Okay, So he did not want to touch the dog. So he ran away and he went inside. And they were trying to convince him that, look, this dog is not going to hurt you. Okay, Just touch the dog. It's not going to hurt you. So in trying to convince him that Hindu kid, he said, Wallahi, it's not going to hurt you. Okay, he was not a Muslim, but because he had heard so many times those kids using Wallahi, Wallahi, even he started saying that. I wish, you know, we used good words, right? Good expressions, meaningful ones, so that, uh, you know, we could do da'wah in this way as well, right? So anyway, what a person says unintentionally, Allah will not hold him accountable for that. Okay, this is not something that a person will be held responsible for. So for example, when the people, they embraced Islam at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they were used to swearing oaths. It was part of Arab culture. And before, when they believed in the idols, Lat and Uzza, when they swore oaths, sometimes they said, I swear by Lat, or I swear by Uzza. Now this is shirk. Okay, this is clear shirk. But let's say it was a person's habit to say that. And now when he became Muslim, by mistake, without even thinking, you know, it came out of his mouth, I swear by Lat. Now has he committed shirk? He says, I swear by Uzza. So the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever swore and unintentionally mentioned Allah and Al-Uzza in his vow, then he should just say, La ilaha illallah. That's it. You should just say, La ilaha illallah. It doesn't mean that he's become murtad or, you know, he's become an apostate or he's committed a major sin. No. This is unintentional, so it doesn't matter. This is just like some people when they keep watching movies, when they keep watching television and they hear, Jesus, 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 everything wrong that happens. Even Muslim kids, anything bad happens, Jesus, Jesus, or cheese, they change it to. Right? So, this is the same thing. Because if you seek help from Jesus, this is not right. If you call upon His name when you're in a problem, this is not right. But what is this? Allah. Okay? You don't really mean it. So if somebody says that, don't say, oh, you committed trick, by the way, you know. You know, maybe your deeds are all wasted. Allah says in the Quran, in ashrakta, la yahbatanna amaluk. If you commit shirk, then all your good deeds are wasted. No, don't say that, because they didn't really mean it. However, what should a person do? What should they do? They should try to get rid of that habit. Habits can be changed and we should strive to change such habits. Because it's not a good thing to say love words all the time anyway. وَلَكِ يُؤَخِذُكُمْ But he will hold you accountable بِمَا كَسَبَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ For what your hearts have earned. كَسَبَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ كَسَبَتْ is from the root letters كَاف سِينْبَ And كَسْبِ is to earn something and قُلُوب is a plural of قَلْب So what your hearts have earned. What does it mean by this? What is كَسْبُ الْقَلْب? The earning of the heart. Earning of the heart is something that is done intentionally. Meaning your heart intentionally. You intend in your heart, you want in your heart, you mean in your heart what you have said or what you do. So, وَلَكِنْ يُؤَخِذُكُمْ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ What this means is that Allah will hold you accountable for what you deliberately say. So if you say, by Allah, I will do such and such, and you mean it, then Allah will hold you accountable. Or if you say, by Allah, I will not do such and such, and you mean it, then Allah will hold you accountable. But if you just said it out of habit, 
then Allah will not hold you accountable. Wallahu ghafoorun halim and Allah is forgiving and forbearing. He is forgiving. He will forgive you if you repent to Him. And He is Halim. Halim, the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is from the root letters Halamim and Hilm is tolerance. Hilm is the ability to control yourself even when angry. That when your anger does not overpower you. That even though you have the ability to take revenge, to show your anger, you don't do so. So Allah, He is Aziz, He is the most mighty. If He wants, can He punish us immediately for the wrong that we do? Can he? Yes, he can. But does he punish us? Does he? He doesn't. You know, every time I think of the story of Pinocchio, every time he uttered a lie, his nose became long. If that was the case with us, La ilaha illallah, what would be the state of our noses and our ears? And if Allah wanted, he could punish us. In a way that was much worse than that. That we speak a lie and the earth opens in front of us and we fall into it. That we hit somebody with zulm, with injustice, and our hand becomes paralyzed over there. That we look at something haram and our eyes, they cannot see anything again. We utter something false and our tongue freezes. Can Allah do that? Very easily. Very, very easily. But He doesn't. Because He is Halim. He gives us chances again and again. Realize what you're doing. Repent. Seek forgiveness. Instead do something good. But we unfortunately keep continuing in our wrongdoing. And don't change our ways. So Allahu ghafoorun Halim. Allah is forgiving and He is tolerant. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَلَا تَجْعَلُوا اللَّهَ عُرْضَةً لِأَيْمَانِكُمْ أَن تَبَرُّوا وَتَتَّقُوا وَتُصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ النَّاسِ وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ لَا يُؤَاخِذُكُمُ اللَّهُ بِاللَّغْوِ فِي أَيْمَانِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ يُؤَاخِذُكُمْ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ Okay, so in the verses that we've studied so far, especially in the most recent verses, we learned about the concept of nikah, the importance of nikah, and especially some rules of nikah, of marriage. That what kind of marriages are allowed and what kind of marriages are not allowed. Which kind of marriage is not permissible? Marriage to who? A mushrik. This is something that's not permissible for a believer because we learned that iman and kufr are completely different and the two cannot coexist together. Even if the two individuals love each other, still that love, that relationship cannot be strong because there is a huge difference. Iman and kufr are not compatible. And if the two still get married, then it's going to lead to a lot of problems in the future which is not healthy for a marriage at all, or it's going to lead to compromise in religion. And compromise in religion, over-compromising in religion, this is something that does not befit a believer. Because he is putting his akhirah at risk, his hereafter, his eternity at risk. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave clear guidelines that when you marry, this is the one whom you should marry. Now, we also learned about the oaths that people swear, right? Sometimes people swear on every little thing, La wallahi, bala wallahi, wallahi, in every little thing. So what kind of oaths are they? Lagh. Because a person does not really intend them. 
He doesn't really mean them. So they don't carry any value. However, we learn that when a person deliberately, consciously, intentionally swears an oath, then Allah will hold him accountable. Meaning, a person has to take that oath seriously. If he swears to do something, he has to do it. And if he swears not to do something, he has to stay away from it. She's just mentioning that this morning, you know, her mother-in-law, she asked her at the time, and she's like, 8.30. And she's like, no, 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 it's not 8.30, it's actually 8.31. But she didn't mean to lie. I mean, it was very close to 8.30. This is why she said 8.30. She didn't intend to lie. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His mercy, He does not hold us accountable for what we do unintentionally, for what we say unintentionally. There is no azm behind that. There is no firm resolution behind that. So likewise, when it comes to oaths, same thing. Now, when do people swear oaths? Like they say, I swear I'm going to do this. Or I swear I'm never going to do this. Yes. In anger. In frustration. At times of disappointment. Right? At times of conflict. And many times, a husband and a wife, sometimes because of their differences, sometimes because of some fight, some argument, some disagreement, they get angry at each other as well. And in that anger, in that frustration, it's quite possible that they swear oaths. For example, in the time of Jahiliyyah, pre-Islamic Arabia, the Arabs, it was their tradition that if they wanted their wives to do something for them, and their wives refused then they would say, I swear I'm not going to have any relationship with you for the next five years. And I imagine the wife, she's not going to be touched by the husband, she's not going to be loved by the husband, the husband's not going to pay any attention to her. How difficult would that be? So this is known as ila. Now these verses that we're going to learn about today, the first two verses, they are about ila. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لِلَّذِينَ يُؤْلُونَ مِن نِسَائِهِمْ For those people who do ila with their women, meaning with their wives. What is this word yu'luna, ila? It is from the root letters hamza, lam, waw. And alwun, alwun is to not do something, to stay away from something. And ila is to fall short in doing something that a person is supposed to do. To not do something that he is obligated to do. That is his responsibility. So for example, as a daughter, as the older daughter, it may be your responsibility to bring the groceries every Monday or every Tuesday. That's something that is expected of you. But if you don't do that, then you are falling short in your duty, in your obligation. Correct? So this is what ilah is. Literally. But ilah as a term means to swear an oath, okay, to swear an oath, to stay away from something, to stay away from fulfilling an obligation. And this is the oath that who swears? The husband swears. That he is going to stay away from giving the right of his wife. That he swears, I'm not going to give my wife her right. Which right of hers? The right of intimate relations the right of love and care and affection from the husband, especially sexual relations. So the husband swears that I am not going to have any relations with my wife. Now, 
as a husband, it is his duty to fulfill the rights of the wife. Just like the wife is expected to fulfill the rights of the husband, the husband is also expected to do the same. So when the man would swear an oath that I'm not going to do this, what is this? Ilah. He's falling short in his obligation. So, لِلَّذِينَ يُؤْلُونَ مِن نِسَائِهِمْ So those men who swear an oath of staying away from their wives, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they have تَرَبُّصُ Waiting. For how long? أَرْبَعَةِ أَشْهُرْ For four months. تَرَبُّص is from the root letters رَا بَصَاد And تَرَبُّص is to wait, to lie in wait for something, for something to happen, for a time period to be over. So those men who swear this oath, they have the time period of how long? Four months. Okay? Before Islam, men, they would swear oaths and they would stay away from their wives for years. One year, two years, five years. Sometimes even for life. So that the wife was neither like a married woman, nor was she like an unmarried woman. You understand? She was neither like a wife, nor was she like a single person who could go and marry somebody else. Sometimes they would swear the oath of ilah for life. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put a limit to this, that no, you can only swear to stay away from your wives for how long? Four months. That's the time that you have. تَرَبُّصُ أَرْبَعَةِ أَشْهُرُ Ashhur is the plural of shahr. Okay? Which means that if the husband swears to stay away from his wife for one month, would that be permissible? Would that be permissible? Yes. If he says two months, is that permissible? Yes. Three months, is that permissible? Yes. Four months, is that permissible? Okay. Five, is that? No. Four months is the maximum time. But a person might say that why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow even four months? Why wasn't this completely abolished? You see, sometimes it happens that a husband and wife are just not getting along together at all. And usually, what happens as soon as they feel that we can't get along together, they say, okay, divorce, finished, khalas. Let's end this right now. But think about it. The husband and wife came together with the intention to stay together. They have a family, they have children, they have enjoyed so many happy moments. Okay, they are experiencing you know, some ups and downs in their relationship. Why end it immediately? The husband is extremely angry with the wife because of whatever she has done or how she has behaved or what she has done. Okay, don't end it immediately. Take some time off. Take a break. Right? You know how many times people say, take a break from this and then come back to it. Like people, they're going to their university or their school for like two, three years and they're sick and tired. What do people say? Take a break. Right? Take a break. I remember a friend of mine, she was exhausted studying for so many years and then working for so many years. She was sick and tired of it. So her family, they suggested to her, why don't you take a break? Take time off, okay, for a few months and then go back to work. And that's what she did. And she felt much better. Right? Because you know how sometimes some friends are such that you can't live with them and you can't live without them. If you are living with them, you are ending up in arguments and fights constantly. And if you are living without them, then you miss them too much. Right? So it's as though this time period has been fixed that not more than four months, but less than four months is allowed so that you can think 
that is this person, this spouse really important to you? Do you really need them in your life? Right? And four months will tell you. Four months will make it very clear to you if you want them or not. If you think you can live without them or not. If you think your life can continue or not. Right? Because sometimes it happens that people in their emotions immediately, they will take a divorce or they will give a divorce. And what happens later on? You know, I regret doing that. But then their ego comes in and they don't want to get married to the same person again. Right? So before you go to such an extreme, this is why this allowance has been given. And sometimes it's good for husband and wife. It's actually in their best interest if they stay away from each other because then they miss each other. Right? Then their love grows. Then they realize how much they need each other. Like for example, a woman says, I don't think I need my husband. I can live on my own. You know, I drive myself, I work, I take care of the children anyway. What does he do? He works all day, comes back home, has dinner, goes to sleep, goes away the next morning. I don't need him. Whenever he's home, he may either makes a mess, creates more laundry for me, or puts me in stress. So I don't need him. But then for four months, when there's no contact at all, then she realizes that, you know, I think I need him. I think I need him. Yes, you know, things get stressful sometimes, but at the end of the day, I like having a husband. You know, yes, there are some good things about him as well. So it makes the husband and wife appreciate one another more. It gives them the ability to tolerate each other more. So this is the reason why this allowance has been given. But what's the maximum time period? Four months. We learned that once the Prophet ﷺ also, when he got upset with his wives, really upset, he swore that he was going to stay away from them for an entire month. And the Prophet ﷺ did. And after 29 days, he came. He said a month is also 29 days. He didn't wait for 30 days because perhaps he missed them. Right? Because of course he loved Aisha anha. She was such a good wife. But again, they were human beings. It happens. Sometimes conflicts do come up. You need some time off. You need to stay away from someone for some time, no matter how much you love them. So we see that the Prophet ﷺ also did this once. So, لِلَّذِينَ يُؤْلُونَ مِن نِسَائِهِمْ تَرَبُّصُ أَرْبَعَةِ أَشْهُرُ But let's say the man realizes after two days, what did I do? Like, why did I say I'm not gonna have any contact with her, any relations with her for the next one month. Why? I don't think I can do without her. And after three days, the wife is crying. She's crying her eyes out and she's saying, sorry, I'm very sorry over what I said or what I did. And the husband's like, yeah. So then do they have to wait for a month? No. They can get together even before that. Okay? They can get together even before that. How? How? The husband has to break the oath then. Right? He swore an oath. He was not going to approach his wife for the next month. So now he has to break that oath. And when you break an oath, then you have to give a kafara. You have to give a fine. Because you use the name of Allah. You said, by Allah, I will not go to my wife for an entire month. You can't just use the name of Allah like that. You said something very serious. So now you have to give a fine, a penalty. And what is that fine? Who knows? What's the fine for breaking an oath? Yes. Okay, fasting for three days, that's one option. But if a person is sick, they cannot fast. Then what's the other option? 
feeding 10 people or clothing 10 people. This is mentioned in Surah Al-Ma'idah. Okay? So feeding 10 people or clothing 10 people or freeing a slave or fasting 3 days. Four options. Okay? This is mentioned in Surah Al-Ma'idah. So whatever a person can do, he can do that. So لِلَّذِينَ يُؤْلُونَ مِن نِسَائِهِمْ تَرَبُّصُ أَرْبَعَةِ أَشْهُرٍ فَإِن فَاءُوا Then if they returned. فَاءُوا from the root letters فَاءَ Hamza And فَاءَ is to return, to go back. So if they return, to who? To their wives. When? When? When do they return to their wives? Before the time period ends. So they said, you know, one month. But after two days they're like, no, no. This is not going to work out. So they want to break their oath. Okay? And they give the kafara. فَإِنْفَاءُ Or if even after the passage of that time period that they swore to stay away from their wives from, after that even when they return to their wives, Allah says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Then indeed Allah is forgiving and merciful. Why is Allah saying that He is forgiving and merciful? Why is forgiveness and mercy mentioned over here? What crime is being committed? What sin is being committed here? Isn't ila permissible? I told you that it was permissible as long as the time period is less than four months. So why is there forgiveness mentioned over here? Because it is the obligation of the husband to fulfill the rights of the wife. It is the haq of the wife. It is the right of the wife that the husband will treat her nicely. Will show love and affection to her. Will have relations with her. It is the right of the wife. And if he swears that he's not going to fulfill her rights, then what is he doing? He's falling short in his duty. He is being unfair with her. He is harming her. He is hurting her. Regardless of what she did. So it is a sin in a way on the part of the husband when he is depriving the wife of her rights. And the husbands have been commanded in the Qur'an to live nicely with their wives. And this is not to live nicely, that you're living in the same household, but you're living like strangers. The husband says, I swear I'm not going to touch her for the next two months. Is that niceness? Is it? Not at all. You know, sometimes if children, even their hands are dirty, and you say, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Wash your hands first and then touch me. They feel so hurt. You know, my son, if ever his hands are sticky or what, and I tell him, don't touch me, well, let's wash your hands first, he gets like affected by that. And later on, he's like, are my hands clean? Can I touch you? Can I? Even if there's no need, he will say, touch you? Touch you? Because if somebody is told, stay away, I'm not going to touch you, this is something harsh. This is something harsh. So, this is the reason why when the husbands return to their wives, when they give them their haq, Allah says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Then indeed Allah is forgiving and merciful. Allah says in Surah Al-Ra'ad, ayah number 6, وَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَدُو مَغْفِرَةٍ لِلنَّاسِ عَلَى ظُلْمِهِمْ Despite the injustice of the people, Allah is forgiving to them. Allah forgives them. So فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ وَإِنْ عَزَمُوا الطَّلَاقَ But if they decide to divorce, عَزَمُوا From the root letters, عَيْنْ زَيْمِيمْ And عَزْم is to make a firm resolve, to be determined to do something, to make up your mind to do something. So if the men, the husbands, they make up their mind, that that's it. 
we have to divorce. We cannot live together anymore. وَإِنْ عَزَمُوا الطَّلَاقَ So, for example, the husband says, he swears an oath, I'm going to stay away from you for the next two months. Okay. Two months are over, and the husband realizes that, you know what, it's better off this way. It's better off this way. I'm much better this way, and she is much better that way. This relationship is not working out for us. So after this, he decides that it's better to divorce. Then Allah says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Then indeed Allah is hearing and knowing. Samir from summer to hear and alim from ilm to know. So Allah is hearing. Allah hears what? The words of divorce, when the husband will pronounce them. And alim, he knows the situation of both of them. He knows what's in their best interest. So, فَإِنْ عَزَمُوا الطَّلَاقَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Remember that talaq does not automatically take place. Okay? It has to be pronounced. So for example, the husband swears an oath, I'm going to stay away from my wife for the next five months. Five months, he says. But what's the limit? Four. Four months go by, he did not break his oath, he did not go back to his wife, nothing like that. After those four months, the man has to make a decision. Either he has to go back to the wife, or he has to give her divorce. He has to. Because a wife cannot be left like that hanging, neither married nor unmarried. She cannot be left in that state. It is unfair. Her rights are not being fulfilled. She is not being treated like a wife. So then the husband has to make up his mind. Either he has to divorce her, or he has to take her back. Okay? If he divorces her, if he decides, وَإِنَ عَزَمُ الطَّلَاقَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِينُ عَلِيمٌ Then divorce will take place. But let's say he doesn't do either. He doesn't divorce her, and he doesn't even take her back. And it's lingering on. Five months went by, six months went by, seven months went by. What's gonna happen now? What's gonna happen now? He is going to be forced by who? By the court. By the law. To either divorce the wife or keep her. Now the law is going to intervene. The family, whatever law exists in the land, that is going to intervene. The wife is going to take him to court and say, you know, either he should end it or he should resume normal marital relations. So then the legal system is going to interfere. And if, let's say, the husband still doesn't show up, he's supposed to show up in court, he doesn't come. Happens, right? People are prosecuted, but they're like, no, I'm not going to listen. Or let's say some family elder comes in and he says, okay, you come here, we're going to talk, we're going to discuss the whole situation, then we're going to make a decision. And he says, no, he doesn't respond to any phone calls, he doesn't respond to any invitation, he just doesn't come. So then what's going to happen? Then the nikah can be annulled, it can be finished by who? By the judge. Okay, meaning fasqh will be done if the wife wants that. The nikah will be finished, it will be annulled by who? By the qadi, by the judge, because it's not fair for the woman that she's trapped in such a relationship. The point that I want you to understand over here is that just by the passage of four months, remember that divorce will not automatically take place. It has to be pronounced by the husband or the marriage will be terminated by the ruler, by the judge. Divorce, remember, can be given verbally and also in written.
This is why Allah says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Okay? Either the words of divorce are pronounced or the man, let's say, he signs the papers. Okay? So Allah knows about the signatures that were given. Okay? The agreement that was made on paper. So Allah knows about that. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Divorce can also take place through that. Can the wife say, I swear, I'm not going to listen to my husband, I'm not going to let him touch me for the next three months. No, this doesn't happen with the wife. Because the wife has to obey the husband. Okay? Part of the rights of the husband is the obedience of the wife. So the wife cannot do that. Okay? And it's not going to work anyway. It's going to work against the wife. If she says this, if she does this, it's going to work against her. Because either the husband will get extremely angry and maybe even divorce her, okay? Or, you know, some other things may happen which are not in the favor of the wife anyway. If the marriage is not working out, then, you know, she should do those things that are permissible, which is, for example, applying for khula, taking the divorce, which inshallah we will also learn about. Can the woman say that I don't want to continue this marriage? Yes, she can, if there is a genuine reason. If there is a genuine reason, she feels that in those four months, really, she was much better. It was working out for her much better when the husband was away. Uh, So she feels that it's much better for her, she can take divorce. It's no harm for her. Okay, But remember, it has to be a genuine reason. If a woman, for no genuine reason, seeks divorce, then such a woman will not even smell the fragrance of paradise in the hereafter. I mean, this is something serious. Sometimes women become very emotional or they have too many expectations, unrealistic expectations from their husbands. They don't look at their own faults, they look at the faults of their husbands all the time. So we have to become very, very careful. So over here Allah says, وَإِنْ عَزَمُوا الطَّلَاقَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ Now, there is one situation, which is that if a man, he doesn't swear an oath, okay, but still... He does not have any relations with his wife. He does not show any love, any affection to her. There is no intimate relations between the two. And the wife has had enough of this. I mean, it's not fair. She's married. She should be treated like a wife. Her right is not being given. The man did not swear an oath that I swear I'm never going to touch you. No, no oath, nothing like that. But he just doesn't like her or for whatever reason he's not approaching her. Then in that case, what should the wife do? What should the wife do? She can take the husband to the court. She can take the husband to the court. I remember once this lady, she had a situation in which she got married to a man and she was overseas. She came, started living with her husband in a different country. And when she got there, she found out that her husband was a homosexual. Yes. And he was forced into that marriage by his family because they were thinking that if he gets married perhaps he will become better. And he had no interest in his wife at all. No interest in his wife at all. She was very patient. Months passed by. She was sleeping in a different room. Months passed by. Nothing was happening. So in that case, obviously, it was her right to take divorce. It was her right to have that marriage finished by court. And she did that. So, such situations may arise. So in that case, the woman has the right to seek divorce. But if, let's say, 
the husband and wife, they do not have any relations with one another for whatever reason and there is an agreement between the two. Let's say the husband is traveling for work, for study, for business and he is away for six months. He is away for a year. Some visa issues, some passport issues come up and because that he is not able to come, she is not able to go, there is an agreement between the two. It doesn't mean that if for four months the husband and wife do not have relations, then the husband has to decide to divorce or not divorce. No. It doesn't happen just like that. If they are okay with the settlement, if they agree with whatever situation there is, then it's perfectly fine. You know, for example, the husband could be ill or the wife could be ill. It could be health issues. It could be uh, whatever issues. But if they both are happy, they are content with that decision of theirs, then it's okay. The point is that a marriage okay, is valid even if the husband and wife do not have sexual relations, as long as it is agreed between them. But if either of them is not happy with the situation, then they can take the matter to the court and have that marriage finished, if that is what they want. Let's listen to the recitation. لِلَّذِينَ يُؤْلُونَ مِن نِسَائِهِمْ تَرَبُّصُ أَرْبَعَةِ أَشْهُرٍ فَإِن فَاءُوا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ وَإِنْ عَزَمُوا الطَّلَاقَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ 